Well, listen, man, it's good to see you. It's been, yeah, I know that too. we live in the same town. We don't get to see each other as much. How's things? Busy, hey, busy. To the family. Yeah, man. To life. No kidding. You got a nice tan. Where you been? Out on the boat. Yeah, they, they, they doing a lot of construction out there. <laughs> Building a lot of data centers out there, are we? <laughs> yeah, you remember the data center on the boat thing, right? That was hot for a while. Um, well, this yeah. is full circle. This is, I don't know what number of podcasts this is for me, but it started with you. Right, you and LD were the first podcast. And LD, and um, I mean, did you ever get you know those stitches removed from that podcast <laughs> or afterwards? Or was that we could edit that? I got out. a tattoo around the <laughs> scar, yeah, that it left in my life. I think that what was in the commitment was the next time we did that podcast that one of the three had to get the Mike Tyson tattoo on their face. <laughs> it's only fair, right? I think as the guy is not here today, should yeah, be the guy I, that I has mean, to get it. it. It's fair. He make that's any what happens excuse. when you miss it. So. Well, to those that are only listening for the first time and may not know the legacy of who you are, introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, Justin Tinoco, uh, executive vice president for for Rosadin, and um, I'm also heavily engaged in uh, in in modular power solutions with uh, our buddy Simon Harkins over yeah. there. Right. So yeah, I mean, just um, out there doing electrical work, a lot of electrical work. Um, you know, Rosadin's been around for little over 100 years and we employ thousands of people all over the united states and it's uh it's been a good run i've been with them for like almost 20 almost 22 years i guess now just getting started right just so getting started if if, if justin Tanoku could last there 22 years they have a very wide tolerance plan on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the entire esg story right there isn't <laughs> yeah, it? So, there you go <clears throat> all right well look that's a lot to unpackage because you started your family's uh your father was career dpr is that right superintendent uh, he was yeah he was in the carpenters union and yeah he had a he ended uh well, I think he went over to Bolt after DPR, but um, yeah, he was with DPR for a long time. I helped open up their office in Colorado, but yeah, so grew up around the trades. Um, How did you know? So you grew up around the trades, and I know that on the first, like, first of all, not that I've gotten any better at this, but that first podcast was like the first of anything you ever do, right? So yeah, <laughs> I want to talk about it. It was good though. <laughs> I mean, it was better than I would have done. That's for sure. But now you're like a professional podcast guy. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah someone actually called me the the skinny white Oprah or something like that. Someone, <laughs> yeah. I, dude, I was like, interesting. That's the first. But um, <laughs> during that time, we talked about, and this is a this is actually a really important podcast I wanted to do with you, right? And not that we don't have the chance to drink beers and talk about things, but <clears throat> we're getting into something that's really um, the tail wags the dog in this industry right now. And what I mean by that is enterprise end users can't get what they want fast enough because even the operators can't build for them in parallel to them building for themselves. And that's because there's simply not enough labor or widgets or labor to build more widgets to be able to keep up with the volume of velocity of adoption of technology. Right. Yeah. So we're sitting here and, you know, you and I talk about these things all the time with our buddies about, you know, we got kids, do we send them to college? Uh, what's the value in that? Or do we send them to the trades or like, I mean, how many of our friends that are in this space are like, uh, I'm not sure if I could understand the value in college. And I know that we are all raised in this very homogenous thing where, you know, you do these things and if you do good enough in school, then you get to go to college. And if you do a college then it, you're, it's, set. you're set. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, not the case. And some of my best friends haven't spent a day on a college campus in their life. And it's never held them back from being successful in this space. I'm you know, one of them. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. 
Um, I'm not just talking about the schools that probably had like a restraining order where you couldn't be within 500 <laughs> feet of it. But, I knew, <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, I could, regret that. Is it like that on the <laughs> online forums? Like a Chuck E. Cheese? All right, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, but the reality is, is, you know, we have to change direction on what we're doing. I was actually listening to John Trout uh, on the on the Equinex Experience podcast, or the QTS Experience podcast with Dave okay. McCall. And they were talking about labor. And what would you, what is the right thing to tell your kids these days to go to college because it's a layup, you're moving in the right direction. And there's a good chance that, you know, if you go there, you're going to have a better opportunity. Or, or what are these amazing opportunities that happen right now in the trades? Because they, they're pretty significant right now. And it wasn't like that when you started. Well, so I think there's also like, you know, okay, your kid went to college and they got this stellar degree and they, in and philosophy. And they live with you. <laughs> yeah. <And> they <laughs> have 150,000 in debt. Now they're going to go debt. work at like, you know, Tarchi's Tacos or something, not to say that's a bad job. But I was like, I got two kids that work there. Yeah, my, my son worked there, right? Um, you know, but like, what do you do with that? And can you What pivot? do you do? Hey. Why do? Why do people, if I'm taking this and sending it to my, my kids in high school and saying, share this with your friends that are yeah. – Juniors and seniors, like I have a son who's a senior getting ready to graduate, and he often has friends in his orbit that are around our house, and they're talking. I always pressure test them, and half the kids, no doubt, are like, I don't really want to go to college, but I don't know what the alternative is because it sounds like if I don't, then there's really nothing else that's an upside. So walk people through that upside because this isn't like just targeted for children, but we want to reach a broad audience in the purposes so that we could help some people arrive at the reality, which is becoming an electrician has a massive upside and there's tremendous growth potential. I think just the trades in general, right? There's just the stigma about having like calluses on your hands and dirt under your nails, right? And you're just a you're just a dirty construction worker. I think that's changing, you know, rapidly. Just look at the I mean these the salaries that these guys are getting, right? And the benefits that they're getting. You know, they've got health care, they've got education that's tied to this that's being paid when you go through the union it's paid by by the contractors right and it's just like the amount of opportunity and then you get into some of these businesses like like a rosadin for instance right i mean construction like it's not just electrical work or sound and calm work right it's marketing it's engineering there's administrative pieces to it there's there's all kinds of pretty amazing opportunities just within the construction industry as a whole so but you know what we've what we've done is you know we're really trying to take a take a step back and like okay how do we get to the youth and get in front of them and and what Rosadin's doing right now they're we're engaged in a handful of markets, you know, just getting out to junior highs and high schools and some I of the- I have to express my dominance real quick, so I'm gonna sit oh. taller than you. Go ahead. Okay. I don't oh, like it when you're- at me? I don't like it when I'm looking up at you. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's not natural. <laughs> Keep talking. I feel no better now. Thanks, thanks. Thanks for derailing me on that. I was really going somewhere with oh, that. Man, but... you were like, that was like one of those moments from Office, or what is it, old school, where he's in the <laughs> debate, like... and he's like, what happened? Will <laughs> <laughs> Ferrell? I didn't mean to do that. But. Yeah. No, but I mean, we're we're involved in like youth camps and a bunch of different things, just trying to get exposure to the electrical industry, right? Because that's what feeds into us. And our our biggest risk is 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 always been and always will be manpower or craftspeople, right? And just the ability to get them, to retain them and and provide an environment where they wanna they want to tell their friends about it and 
and their their peers in the industry and, and just keep that keep that cycle and keep that churn feeding into the industry um you know so we'll, we get engaged just trying to show er, early on is the opportunity you know bending conduit that's cool you know some of those things you know there's the bim technology piece but you know what we try to do is kind of gear people up and and provide different avenues that all feed into our industry right um you know you've got a lot of uh a lot of opportunity because of the attrition that's happening in in not only not you only to with regards to attrition just, in which just, way it just retirement people retiring right yeah people <clears throat> retiring yeah. And and you know not only in the electrical industry but in all the trades, right? I mean, we're losing and these are the people who know how to build, who have the experience of doing some pretty amazing things. But um I mean, we're losing those people by the dozens and they're going out in groups, right? Where and, are you losing them to? Is it churn within the industry? They're uh, going into something different. They're retiring. They're retiring. That's just retirement. That's, that's not a churn within. That's not even the churn. That's not within. losing into competition or that's anything. That's not even. Yeah, I'm just talking about the industry is losing these people. Our, the general contractors are losing them as well as us, right? And we self-perform all of our work, right? You know, so we're we're out there bending pipe and got people in the dirt and all of the all of these things, but it's it's a lot different for us. It it hits us hard, and we have to maintain. Um, some sort of innovative environment that attracts this next generation, right? Because this next generation, they want it now. They want to know what it is. They want to see. They want to see the roadmap to success. How they become the CEO in like five years, right? But you know, or at least see a path to it, right? And at the end of the day, like we had to go rethink our whole methodology from from a resident standpoint and just from an industry standpoint. It's like, okay, how do we? How do we communicate with these people about about the opportunity there? Because um, it's a lot more than just I. When I got into the trades, I was I was um, I was lost. I was 18 years old. I didn't really know much. My parents had moved out of town. Right? They moved out of the state because abandoned of me because of you because of me. <laughs> right? And I was like left like okay, how am I going to go make this work? Right? And I was already I already got into into the carpenters union at that point in time when my parents left. But then I was like, okay, what am I going to be doing? Like, what is my end game? And started talking to people. And, you know, you, you notice an electrician down there working on a, you know, on a receptacle. I'm like, okay, that's finally good manicured job. nails. Oh yeah. Dirty. Super pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you just, uh, you know, everybody's telling me, and I was like, doing, like you want to be an electrician. I was doing drywall. You want to be an electrician. That's where it's at, right? You want to be an electrician. Nobody ever said you want to be a plumber, mind you, right? <laughs> it's like firefighters and cops. I love these conversations. <laughs> you're right. You're way better than them. Those people suck. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, okay. And then you start learning what, what they, what electricians do, right? And to me, it's super cool. I mean, were you learning it by watching as playing I had roles no, the carpenter or I something had, else? I had no idea, right? So that's really the trick. That's where to unpack it from. Yeah, you're talking about like, hey, we have all these amazing things. None of those things that you just said would have resonated at JT at 18, right? So I'm like, yeah. you discovered it. Sounds like based on survivability, right? Because you're like, hey, man, that was it. I need something. I'm immersed in this construction environment, and people that have been here longer than me say, start with that if you could start, and that's yeah. why you got there. I mean. It was it was out of necessity but that I was I was looking for something, and I also was like just looking at, okay, can I do this 
do I want to even approach to do this? And I didn't know what this was, right? But what I did know is that I didn't want to be doing drywall for the next 30 years of my life, right? That's oh. the one thing I didn't know, right? I didn't know what the electrical piece was, but I didn't know that. And so I was like, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to go figure this out. And, and at the time it didn't take me long to get in. Now there's like, it depends on what local you're in. It's, it could is take it, a while. So why is it taking so long if we have such a massive shortage in demand? Well, a lot of times, or not a shortage of demand. We have a pent up demand with a shortage of supply. Yeah. I mean, so back into the union piece, you know, every jurisdiction is going to be different. And so by jurisdiction, I mean, like, let's just call it County for right now. Right. Pause real quick. So, Believe it or not, not everybody knows the legendary. So Rosenden is 100 years old. You've been there for 20 plus years, but Rosenden isn't just 100 years old. They are uh, the um, are they the largest electrical contractor in the mission critical vertical? Uh, I mean, let's just they're got to be do, the, they got to be among the top critical work. Yeah, All right, but I mean, you guys are billions of dollar company. You guys have thousands of employees, and it's a big company. Is what I'm trying to yeah. establish for people that. Believe it or not, there's people I talk to where Rosen is a massive player in certain places, and there's markets that you guys don't play in at all, like Chicago, yeah, New York. That's stuff. right. That's right. So you could talk to some people that are like they could spend several, a fair amount of time and not cross paths with you guys because the markets that you guys are in are the ones you guys dominate, the ones you guys, yeah, don't play in. Yeah, you know, it's a market for someone else. It's you know, very unique competitive landscape you guys navigate through, but for those that don't know, Rosen is not only 100 years old; they're huge and and. Uh, of one of the subsidiaries you guys own is Modular Power Solutions, MPS. Sure. Yeah. And they are a huge player in this space building pre, you know, it's skid mounted prefabrication. Go ahead. Yeah, we build for, you know, modularized or integrated components, right, with heavy electrical infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? So all the power's coming in, generator feeds are coming in, and then the, the critical distribution for the, for the data centers right now. We're heavy, heavy in the data centers. We're working on more diversification um into other industry into other verticals right um but yeah i mean we're yeah, we, we sell into probably a larger customer base than anybody i think in that space right now so the reason why i'm painting that landscape with a broad stroke is because uh you know years ago 20 plus years ago you're 18 you had to go figure it out and you went to a company that uh, was growing uh, just as a trade itself you know the demand for that skilled labor and people were either going into the trades, going into college, or going in the military, yeah. or, you know, I don't know, I'm not saying you're going backwards, but there's other alternatives, right? But these things that help people discover what's right for them, what's wrong for them, it really comes down to understanding, what are you even talking about? Like, some people don't even know what electrical contractor's full magnitude of impact is. Yeah, most people, when they hear, you know, because people still ask what I do, and I'm just like, oh, I'm an electrician, right? They're like, oh, cool, like, we uh, think we know what that means. You're roping houses? Like, you, you, can you cut in a receptacle for me to, on Saturday? And I was like, uh, probably not. I'm a little tired. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a far greater magnitude. And with our with our organization, it's not, you know, we're not, I mean, we build multi-family dwelling units, but they are, they might be 70 stories tall, right? Um, they're, it's just mass scale, like big arenas. Mass Perfect data centers, largest renewable jobs in the world, right? Stuff like that. But back to what you were, and I'm trying to piece it all back together. So, no, no, you're perfect. You were talking about um, the job domains or the opportunities that, I mean, people say, hey, I, I don't work for an electrical contractor because I'm not an electrician. So like I'm, 
I don't work in the data center industry because I'm not a data center person. Yeah. And you know, we know that there's generally five phases of a data center lifecycle, but those five phases represent nine different job domains. Yeah. And those nine different job domains that stem from HR and finance and marketing and sales and business development all the way through the subject matter expertise of that. Sure. That includes, you know, those nine domains account for 200 to 300 different open job opportunities. And those yeah. ones have tier levels, you know, one, two, three, kind of like anything else. That's the message is to the electricians is <clears throat> I try to tell people now there's a kid who my son's friends with who got into a different trade like painting. Or, and, um, and I said, the beauty about going into a broad thing like an electrical contractor, mechanical is they serve multiple industries and those open up other domains of specialty from estimating. You would estimate different in high tech or semiconductor yeah. than you do. And does that make sense? But I'm like, you kind of get to get into some real, wide spreads and if you go to a bigger shop they have more wide range of opportunities so if you plug in and you're like i mean how many different jobs have you had since you started oh man i don't know probably at least a 20 right okay so it you, feels like you know I but mean, you started at the very bottom yeah yeah and today if someone started like you at 18 at the very bottom can they one day be an evp yeah absolutely okay. and that's our job is to like provide that path do they need to go to college no they don't need to go to college right? do you see what i'm trying to do is yeah. this tr i'm trying to make it easier for them to discover because this podcast will be people that we know that listen to it and share it with their friends but what we really want them all to do is go share it with their What's the world come down to when we're like, go take a conversation from Justin Sinoco and Kirk Fell and share it with all your kids? <laughs> yeah. Man. <laughs> I know. For his, I, I don't blame him. I probably, but I would say this. It's really like, what do you do? I don't know what to tell my kids sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, like I could easily, I have no problem telling my kids like, look, college ain't for everybody. Go mm -hmm. look at the trades. Yeah. I'd be like, just, I wouldn't be an electrician. I mean, I mean, I'd go look at a plumbing job maybe or something, <laughs> but, but there's a lot of, <laughs> you're more of that speed for sure. <laughs> I like to be a glazer. But those are the window guys. That's me. Just standing by the windows the whole time. <laughs> I, uh, I think that there needs to be a third narrative. Right. I don't yeah. think it's just, you know, this or that. And and my narratives, obviously, for those that don't want to go to college, I'm like, join the military. But I also see the huge demand and I see some very, very advanced and innovative thinkers that are coming out of the trades, not just your guys aside, but all of them. And take people down the path of understanding some yeah. of those trades, the differences between union, non-union, big shops that have huge. I mean, if you went on to Rosen's website right now, you probably find a hundred to 200 different types of jobs for all I know. Oh, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But it, what would be your advice? I mean, you started at Rosedon wasn't a huge shop when you got there. Right? Yeah. It, yeah. So how did you know? Yeah. What Rosedon wasn't, I mean, it's just by kind of law. I think I talked about it in that first podcast, right? It was just like, I ended up in Rosedon because I was already in the apprenticeship and I wanted a challenge. Right. And I just, again, you kind of look and always be looking thinking about like 10 or 15 years down the road is this something that you want to be doing at that point in time in your life you know in your future state is like is the ceiling for me it's like how how do i have a low ceiling or do i is that ceiling like I, i'll never touch it so i can just go opportunity is like as much as i make of it right and you know i ended up over at rosedon because i was i kind of challenged that but i also just wanted i just I had no idea I was going to be doing this. I, what I was striving for was something totally different, right. Than what I'm doing. I did that a long time ago. Right. And now I'm, now I'm doing this, but I just think that, um, you know, when we're, when we're talking to the youth, 
and or we're talking to people who went to college and and don't know what to do with their degree it's like you'd be surprised how easily it can pivot like i can take anybody from i'll, I'll give you a perfect example um this is actually a story about my goddaughter so she was she went to she went to went to college was going to do her thing was going to be in the police academy go wanted like end up being i don't know something over there on that side of the thing and this was like 2020 and okay well what are you going to do and at that time probably not a great time to like go into the police force with all the animosity and she's this little tiny girl and you know just i was like okay but she had like i said hey do me a favor just come check this out like just go, try it out check what out though? check check out check out the construction industry and come over and if you would, if she, she's like, oh, well, actually, I, I could use an internship because she had to check some boxes on the college side. She got over here and she knew nothing. And she got over. OK, so real she, quick, got, she came you over, hired Rosen. over as, as an as an intern. <clears throat> Instead of going to law enforcement, she graduated college and came she to you as an intern. That, yeah, it was her senior year. Right? OK, so it was her senior year. So it was like right before she was graduating. And um, you just wanted her exposed to it. So yeah, she just saw. just to kind of have some options. And then the more she started. Now she's doing like project management for us. She already knows how to estimate. She did all of that. She's she's doing project management. And I mean, she could do whatever. Right. She could be the next regional vice president for all we know. Right. The opportunity is there. And it's just something that you take smart people who are willing to learn and willing to hustle. And we will invest into that and just figure out where where some of those paths go and maybe some, you know, that next path is somebody in the same circumstance, but they're more mechanically inclined and they want to go out and build stuff with their hands. It's like, there's an avenue to go get into the trades and every state in every jurisdiction, it's a little bit different, but it's a lot of the same stuff. What right? makes it so much different though? Is it, it's just, you know, state regulations and whether we can have like, um, you know, there's apprentices, right? There's, it's not enough though, to make it to where if I'm in, Arizona and it's I all to California. Attainable. So you attainable. could easily get in and you could find yeah, a way to Yeah, there's a path. Like you pick up the phone and call the local IBW chapter and say, I want to go to work. How do I get there? And they'll roadmap it for Even you. Even if you weren't union in the past? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's there's little challenges, right? But even, yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised how many people we bring either from the non union sector over or just from flipping burgers over and just teach them how to read tape measures and how to bend conduit and yeah. how to, how to go do electrical work. I mean, it's, there's paths, there's multiple paths there. Um, but at the same time, you know, my concern would be with somebody fresh out of high school because it's funny because we talked about this, right. When we, when you brought this subject up, you're like, Oh, and I was like, well, actually I don't necessarily agree with that. Right getting kids right out of high school into, into, into the trades. And my only reason he's like, well, didn't you do that? And I was like, well, yeah. Cause I had to live, my <laughs> I had to live. <laughs> but not, not everybody's in the same circumstances that I was in. Right. But you know, if, if you're ready to, to stop playing adult and act like an adult and take on the responsibility and be dependable, then come. Were you like that before you took that job? Or were you like that because you took that job? I took that. I was like, I was like that out of necessity. I needed to show. Don't, don't judge me. You think you're like <laughs> looking bitch, for the white line behind you? I was like, listen, tell me how you had it all figured out. At I didn't have it all figured out. What I knew is I had to show up work, to be at work early and on time every day, in order to get a paycheck. And were you that? 
I was that. Okay. I never missed a day. I, I can believe that. Never missed a day. And and that's what drove me, but not all kids have that same type of just outside pressure that's pushing them. But there's going to be individuals who are wound like that. I probably wouldn't have been wound like that if it wasn't out of my environment that I was in. Who knows? I'd probably be slacking off like you were at that age, right? <laughs> totally. Not as bad. I don't know if that's possible. But you are either externally motivated or you have internal discipline. One of the two things is going to trigger you. Yeah. So if I had to like put it in a big, like my only, my reservations about hiring somebody who's not in that same situation where they've, it would be like, okay, you're playing adult right now. You just got out of high school. You're kind of figuring out what adulthood is and to be on your own. Um, you know, you're, you're probably not in debt. So what is the driver to kind of get you to go? You're to missing get you it to go show up? And this is, I mean, this is why I like talking to you because you think I'm stupid and I think you're stupid. This shit. <laughs> you're losing them. Why? Because the best ones that they're the ones that you want to hire. And they're probably already discovering another industry. Yeah. No, so, that's so right. you're, you thinking you're waiting for the right time isn't way i mean you're just well it's just because it when you go through the apprenticeship i i, I, I like how you want to be pressure tested and have some scars in life be hungry have a chip on their shoulder have some grit to be ready be ready but that doesn't mean you can't have that coming out of high school you don't know the circumstances right? that's right that's right and so <clears throat> that's why it's open to everybody mm -hmm. but immediately you know when when i'm about i sit in i sit in apprentice interviews and i so you i do? get to, yeah i get to see like who's applying i love that I don't get to do it enough, but you get to really see the, the youth Because the only through. has room for so many. Or... <laughs> <laughs> don't even get me started, man. <laughs> if I could make that a full-time job, I would, believe me. But, oh, for sure. But it's, it, but it's interesting just to see, you know, just the demographics of the people coming in and where they're from and what their story is and what's driving them to come into the trades, right? So what is the strike zone for you guys? What do you guys trigger on? Um, what do you like the most? What I like the most most is somebody who's a so you're not a follower, you're an independent thinker, right? Um, and you can show that you're reliable, um, and and you can show that you you can be part of a team, right? That it's not going to be hmm. there's not going to be this huge ego when it comes in there because you got to be willing to learn. You're going there to learn, and so the IBW. And, and NECA right now, the National Electrical Contractors Association, right, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers for anybody who didn't know. But, I mean, they it's a joint apprenticeship. So those two entities, and it's funded through the contractors. So they, we create this, this five-year program that basically is on-the-job training. They get... A, Cumulative, they have to get like 8,000 hours and go through and, you know, different classes every year and all this, all this stuff. But you're going to school at night or sometimes, you know, for a week, a quarter or whatever it is. Depends. That changes. But, you know, you have education basically off hours and it's in the classroom training. And then you have on the job training for, you know, 40 hours a week, let's call it on average. And so, like, that is a grind right there. And it's a lot, right? You know, people have families, you know, they've got all kinds of things going on, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's, uh, it takes some dedication to see that through. It's not, none of that's easy, right? But we want to make sure that we get people 
people are ready for that type of challenge, right? Show that you're reliable, show that you can be there because we're, we're investing into that. And the last thing we want to do is go get somebody in for two years and we have to go kick them out of the apprenticeship because they're not ready, right? So if you're going to come, be ready to take on that type of a challenge. I mean, how great is that? You're going to go get paid to learn? So walk people through that because maybe that's something they also don't understand. They don't understand that it's, their intern or their apprenticeship is paid, right? Sometimes people are like, hmm. But yeah. walk people through, let's say uh, you you guys have a class or you, I'm sure you guys are doing, um, you guys found a whole new wave of people that you're going to put into your program somehow or mm -hmm. however it works. Yeah. Once that happens, someone who came from, they, they've kind of met those optics that you were looking for, right? Because Well, initially, there, I'll just cut you off and tell you what the optics are. Like you have to have a GED or a high school diploma. Right. You have to have uh, it's like one or two years of, of math up to a certain level, like algebra -ish or something like that with passing grades. And there's really not much more. But I that's mean, the minimum that's it. Standard. That's the minimum just to get in. And then there's there's going to be an application process. There's a test. Right. And the tests. And it sounds like an interview or a board or some kind. Yeah. But you have to score really highly on the test. Right. And the test is um, the tests kind of differ by local. But so talk to me about this test. Because that could be daunting to kids that are like, I'm going to high school, I'm done with tests. So they meet all those other requirements. Think about they it. They can study for yeah, it. Yeah, the like worst case scenario within all of the United States is it's like an SAT test, right? And, you know, it's going to teach you a little bit. It's going to quiz you on a bunch of different things, math and a little bit of geometry and stuff like that. You know, really basic stuff, but it should be something that's pretty obtainable, right? You have to score really high on the test because there's so many applicants. Like you go to the... To the Bay Area, there's thousands of people that try to get in. So right? how come I'm always hearing that there's thousands of people short in those markets, though, if we have thousands of people waiting? Well, to get in? it's because a lot of the times we are only able to bring in, you know, two or three classes, and those classes aren't going to be hundreds of people, right? You know, on a good year, maybe it's three classes, and it's going to be about their capacity, their bandwidth. Uh, is that just year classes? Space. That's Rosen, and that's not the union. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the union classes. Right? That's in it's collaboration held. with you, or is it just for your is through it the JATC through the is, Joint Apprenticeship Training Committee? But is that class dedicated only to Rosen, or is it? They no, that's all the contract. All the contractors. Anywhere. Yeah, it. everybody goes in. They get the kids in there, and 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 they just and they just how many classes a year? Class. It depends on local. Yeah, on so average, uh, like one just, a quarter. Or? Let's just say there's probably. Two to three classes a year. On and a, how big are those classes? Yeah, they're probably, you know, 30 to 50, maybe. And how many of those that start finish typically? Um, it's a high percentage rate, actually. Because yeah. you guys are screening so heavily. Because you're screening so heavily. So when you're in that and you get picked up, what do people, you know, you're using Bay Area as an example. What yeah. do those people that make it through that, if they qualify for one of those three classes... What are they, what are they? Yeah, so you would start off at like, you know, 35% of a JW scale and and um, and then you just kind of go up in like 10% brackets as you go through and you accrue hours and you're, you're ready for the next pay, assuming that you're doing good in all your grades, which you should, right? Um, and then you just kind of keep on going up bracket by bracket until you hit a JW, right? And, and what is that? And a, a a JW on average, I would say, in the United what States. What is JW? A journeyman wireman. Okay, right? so yeah. that is inside is that, wireman, right? Is that like the kind of the lowest level after the apprenticeship, or while that's, you're? That's that's a. I mean, that's how we get our work done, right? We get our work done with journeyman wiremen. They're 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 trained consistently, right, through the JATC, and 
so we should be getting everybody with a very similar skill skill set, right? Um, and they're they're the people out there that are doing doing all the all the work. And and in the meantime, they're also working with apprentices, training them on the with that on the job training piece, and kind of helping with the future, right? And then you go be a journeyman. You can go be a foreman or a general foreman. And then is it's that just who's like, above a journeyman? Like who's mentoring, guiding, and coaching the journeyman? Yeah. So the journeyman above that is a is a foreman, right? So and the foreman's responsible for the program as well as coaching he's developing. Re- he's responsible for the safety and the production and the quality of his of his group, right? Um, and and that foreman reports up to a general foreman, and then depending on like. It all depends on like what how big these jobs are, right? You go to a massive job, you know, uh, you might have five or six people maybe working for a foreman, and maybe five or six foremen oh, really? working for a journeyman, and, or working for a general foreman. Sorry, and then and then it just kind of goes from there, right? And it can roll up to a site superintendent or some of these things. But there's each step that you go take up, you know, there's there's a little bump in pay, there's more responsibility, but you know, the average, I would say probably the average rate for us, um, our blended rate, you know, it's probably somewhere in just, you know, in the mid 40s, you know, 46, just 48. Getting started. And that's because, well, that's with journeymen and that's with foremen and that's with apprentices and then all the different scales that go across the United States. Like you go to you go to the Bay Area and I think a journeyman's probably making like $78 on his check or something like that on his check an hour. Right. And you could, it could be substantially less over in Arizona, but it's all about where the work goes. And, and the thing is, is like, too, is, you know, we're starting to like get into a recession here. Right. So the volatility of work and certain markets are drying up. These guys can go, anyone can go get their ticket and go down to Arizona and be a traveling, be a traveling journeyman, bring your family or just roll by yourself. And, and go work a bunch of overtime and support these jobs and then come back home, right? And and when the work comes back. So you're not tied to one place. You have the flexibility to kind of go see the rest of the world and and go find job and go go find jobs and go go chase that opportunity. So I have, you know, my family's very blue collar or a lot of military, right? And um, you know, I have family that have been contractors for sure. And I remember thinking like I just assumed those roles were kind of like how you started the podcast. You know, your hands are dirty, dirt on your hands. There's something to be, as men, you know, we we want to have accomplished something. I'd rather use my hands. I like to go home and cook rather than order, right? Like, I just like using my hands. I don't, yeah. I don't I'm not, I'm not sure if some people equate, like if they're 18 right now, if they're like, I don't want to ever have to do that. They're used to being around a computer. They don't like labor. They don't like those things. And it may not be as stoic or as, they don't fantasize about that element in sure. this generation. So I look at this and I'm like, okay, well, you have these people that have the ability to get into a, a career field. Not as just, I mean, yes, you could be an electrician like you were, or you end up having, I think you said, you know, arbitrarily 20 different jobs, but that's for real. Once you get in, there's so many different domains and opportunities where you could kind of probably get into any opportunity you wanted to, Rosen, with the exception of HR, probably, I would imagine. Me personally? <laughs> uh, thanks for the judgment. <laughs> I'm just saying they probably don't have you leading that one. But all the rest. But I'm saying, like, people that even want to get into finance and stuff, they if they just like sales, if they just like being around construction sites and those are the type of people that they like to engage with and sell to those types of people. But, yeah. but I'm trying to figure out, 
people think still, hey, I'm gonna get into this and I'm gonna be doing something in the field for the next 20 years until I retire. And they're like, I don't wanna do that. And you're like, well, we, the best place to understand what that job is, is in the field with your hands and understanding what that's going on. And if you have opportunities to innovate through that, then that's the opportunities to grow and scale, right? That's right, that's right. And, and how do they align that uncertainty with not understanding the process of getting into an electrical contract or any trade. Any trade has, uh, I'm sure they have minimum requirements, like you have to be able oh, to yeah. put fog on a mirror and you have to say your name. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, but it, it also requires a test. I'm sure they want to understand your aptitude and figure out, do you have the ability, sure. do we, can we train you? But it's, um, you know, we're, it's hard to tell a kid right now that you should go do this and start at the bottom because we all start from somewhere and that's where you get the foundational institutional knowledge of the trade while they're like, but this, this, this influencer over here is doing nothing and they're making twice as much type of thing. And you're like, wait a second, that maybe is untenable or doesn't scale. But how do you tell them when there's so many opportunities? I mean, you're talking about the number of people being lost just to retirement. And I'm like, man, I'm watching so much poaching within industry plus churn throughout other industries. Cause as commercial or healthcare, industrial, high tech, and those things start ramping up. Yeah. There's people. I mean, look at Phoenix and look at what what Intel does, right? They're like, uh, we're gonna pay everyone, you know, arbitrarily another five bucks an hour to come here instead, and you just, whoosh, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. How labor now is the tail that wags the dog in some cases. Yeah. Don't you agree? It it is. I was on a phone call out in the parking lot before this, and I had a client call me, and they're like, "How much do we have to pay? I mean, we're paying people to show up to work right now in certain markets." labor attraction and retention programs, LARP. That's what we're doing. I mean, I couldn't even imagine. It's like mind boggling to me. And some of these are like, they're ridiculous. You yeah, know? yeah, you have to pay them more Eight, of a premium. Just $10 to be an hour, like an hour over their scale, whatever they're getting, just to show up to work, right? When I was a kid. And it's because we're trying to compete with other contractors and we're trying to get as many people as we can for our clients to go finish these jobs on time and on schedule, right? And it's because there's such a pent up demand in some of these markets that that's just the necessity. And they know that right now. Now it's not always going to be like that, but it's like that right now. Like, I think if I were to go back, I would have looked at the trades a little bit more uh, carefully because you can make a quarter million dollars a year in the trades never have to. And, and you can do that without all the over, I mean, like who knows what you're doing or whether you're going to travel, go get on, but, you, There's going to be the, some sacrifice to make that type of money, but you can do it. Well, sure. that sacrifice is in that sacrifice is in learning. You have to be of the value to be able to, to command that type of earning, but you can do that without having to go sit in college, I guess, for four years if you're not a, and creating all that debt. And I mean, you're you're making money your first day of school in yeah. the trades, right? Think about that. How long is this school, by the way? Walk people through, like, let's say right they now, get picked right up now, program. Right now, it's a, a five-year program, right? It's a five-year program. But there's some structured stuff too, right? It's not like, hey, go report to a site and you're going to get an OJT 100%. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you most of the locals, you'll get rotated through contractors. And so you, you may have a six-month stint or a year-long stint with the contractor, and then you're going to go get with another contractor they're gonna they're gonna sign you to another contractor as an apprentice. So to you have some get exposure. You get some exposure and some visibility on how things. Because the last thing you want is somebody getting stuck like sweeping the floors for five years and then now they're unemployable at the end of the day, right? So they the whole goal is to like try to get get everybody's visibility to multiple types of builds, different ways to manage, and and all of those things, right? So they can understand. You're gonna go through five years. You're gonna understand what a 
you're by the, that time you're going to know what a good boss is and what a bad yeah. boss is, right? You don't know what a good one is till you've had a bad one. That's either. right. You got to have those. That's ones. right. That's right. All right, so that's pretty cool. So what else? I mean, the whole journey's five years. That's a big commitment. I mean, that's asking for them to look at things much like a military contract or even longer than college, right? So people know, hey, I start here, I end up here in five years. And then from that point, I mean, like, when did this guy become the limit for you? Uh, it was early. I was still an apprentice. Walk um, us through yours so that people understand yours. And I look, I know that you've shared it with me a thousand times and we even talked about it. Yeah, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I but guess it's not I'm just not. you and I. This yeah, is yeah, not yeah. about us. This is about sharing your story with these other there's kids that are going to listen to this that are going to be inspired and be like, why didn't I? There are people who are sitting around right now. We're like within weeks from high school graduations. Yeah. And this is the time of the year where people are like kids and parents are like, I haven't figured it out yet. You know, some people have a very homogenous upbringing where their Glad parents. Glad your phone's going off. You've only had 30 separate, 30 different podcasts and you don't even know to silence your phone, huh? I feel like there's just a lot of hate coming out of you right now <laughs> and you're very angry. So uh, my story. Yeah. If you want to, I mean, when did, when did you feel we've like talked it about was it. the sky's limit? Yeah. Because there's people that, uh, listen, JT, there's someone that has the same mindset that you are at right now. I mean, when you first started and they're listening and they have to survive and they're waking up and they're thinking like my whole world changes in the next month and I better have something going on. Walk them through your story first and then we'll dovetail that into what yeah. advice you'd have. I would say, you know, that to me, that sky's the limit opportunity hit when I was probably around my fourth year of apprenticeship, right? And so I was really successful and I was probably the youngest kid in my class, right? Um, How old were you? I was 19. Um, would you have hired you? Well, yeah, I would have hired me a thousand times over. For real. <laughs> no, no. Look, all joking aside, I know that you run a really, like, look, for those that know you, they know that. If you could have seen can, how hungry I was, right? That done. didn't get, like, that didn't get handed to me. Um, you were hungry then? I was, I had to be hungry. So then. you would have seen that in yourself? You would have hired a yeah, young Yeah, you just JT. see that tenacity and you're like, okay. Right? So is that, what the, uh, is that what the boards or the interview faces are for is to kind of pressure test that social dynamic? Yeah, they'll ask a handful of questions. It's just like, okay. Well, that's what I was getting to. I'm like, well, what's the, what's the strike zone for people? And you guys, it's impossible to do that. It has to be that you have to engage with them. It's not yeah. a piece of paper with a silver bullet, right? That's right. That's right. Okay, so but um, But, you know, through my apprenticeship, but, you know, it had been... It, it was a good experience. I was with it, it, my local. They only rotated you after your first year. And um, that contractor kept me as long as they possibly could, even it, even in a, beyond that first year, right? Because apparently the apprentice was very crucial to a large airport job and they couldn't live without me. It's That it wasn't the case. There was probably like some internal struggles going on there, right? But transferred over to another company that was kind of midsize and they were doing, you know, good commercial work. And I was, um, by year four, what are you capable of doing? You, I mean, yeah, you're capable of, of journeyman work really. And that is, uh, what, what do they trust you with at that level? You're not energizing stuff. I'm sure. Without well, I mean, things were a little bit different back then. <laughs> so let's just put it that way. All right. Right. I mean, the safety culture that I think the industry has grown to adopt, it's because of that. Um, it's because of all those bad decisions right. back in the day, right? But, you know, was with this contractor for a couple of years. But like I said, I just, you know, you're doing, you're bending big pipe. You're in the dirt doing 
tremendous amount of underground. I was actually buried alive as an apprentice, right? Changed your uh, voice, right? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You I, quit your, ended your singing career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got rid of that lisp, though. <laughs> that's good. Um, nice. But, you know, so there's, I mean, what we do is inherently dangerous, right? Mm. Um, and we take it very seriously, and sometimes things happen, right? So just because you're an apprentice, you're still going to be exposed to, to certain hazards on the job site, right? But, you know, you go through and you're basically at that point, I was I was self-sustaining. I was journeyman, but I just or I was a fourth yeah, year. I was, a fourth, I was a fourth year apprentice. No, because I'm an, I'm an apprentice, but I was probably working by myself or with journeyman just going and doing stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. We were doing big single line infrastructures and, you know, getting buildings out of the ground and then we'd leave. Can I ask another stupid question? Because you said it's a five year program. Is that uh, set in stone or is that based on your growth? Like some people grow it's a, differently. It's a five-year program, but you can get your raises. It's basically set up to get raises almost like every year. Yeah, you can get your raises quicker. It just depends on how many hours you're burning. Because you have some people that are just outliers on the positive side of the average and some that are maybe a negative. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's overscales that, you know, that these are minimum pay requirements. Let's what I'm saying is... So you can, can someone grow disenchanted if they are put on the same, they go through the same classes you do, they get done and they, uh, you know, they can't keep up with you. You're running circles around them, but you both kind of graduate to the next level together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's because that it, a lot of times it happens to be with like what contractor you're with and what type of exposure they're giving you, you know, a lot of times. And, and so the sky, the limit, the sky where, when I felt like the sky was the limit, I, it was when I came over to Rosedon because the apprenticeship training director, he said, cause I was, I just wanted to go in and I told him I need to change. Like there was no rotation. I wanted to at least see one other contractor before I turned out we were in my fourth year. Right. And, and I didn't want to be with this company. So why not just make the change now? And he said, you know, he's going to bring me up on charges cause apprentices, apprentices can't quit their job or else you go in front of the e-board. And there'll be, you know, there's, there's yeah, a reason why you don't, you do not want to have apprentices like go dictate this. Right. But I just told him, I said, listen, you know, the contractors love me. This contractor loves me. I want more. It's your job to, to give me more as the training director. I'm challenging you to provide more of a challenge for me. And he came back and said, okay, you're going to go to Rosedon. Um, you start Monday and you know, it, you're, you, you got to fight this, for yourself, man. He, he literally said, yeah. And at the end of the day, he's like, if you don't get to where you want to be in life, it's because you're not good enough there. Cause they have a tremendous amount of opportunity. And at that time, you know, we were no near the size that we are now, but it was the truth. Right. And I got there and, and met the superintendent and I just told, he's like, Oh, you know, talk to the apprenticeship director. His name was Scotty. He goes, you know, I heard, heard you kind of came over here uh unexpectedly huh he goes so what's the deal what do you want to like what do you want to do in the long run and i just told him i said i want your job like that's what i want nice and he said huh nobody's ever i don't know how to take that guy by the name of mike roberts he goes but nobody's ever told me that but okay but that's how you have to be yeah and that's how and but he gave me an opportunity and it just and all that did was put me on his radar mm -hmm. to where he's like okay it's take some balls for somebody to say that to a boss that they just met. And now let's, it, it, it was just enough to get me on his radar to where he was like asking about my work ethic and what I was doing and my capabilities. And then all of a sudden, you know, 
we're in, I'm in, getting invited to foreman training as a, as an apprentice, uh, you know, a fifth year apprentice and some of the other things. So they they immediately started investing into me and getting me exposure with like some of these guys that I idolized, um, you know, who, who were legends within the local and you're sitting next to them as a, you know, bright eyed kid. And you're like, Oh man, you know, taking all the notes, listening to like their challenges and what they're going through. And, and then they're training you on all these other things that are far outside of just how to bend conduit and pull wire and stuff. And that was like, I was like, I, I could do something here. And at that time, still none of this was on that radar. It was, it was all like, okay, I can get to that next step in the field. That's what I wanted to go do. Um, and it just kind of, just kind of took off from there. But my greatest acceleration through my own personal growth was when I started traveling and I started traveling for the organization. I got to go see, you know, and these were jobs that probably weren't in the best shape and you're just going there to help out and sacrifice your sacrifice and time with your family and, and friends and not sleeping in your own bed at night, but you're out on the road and, and I'm blessed because I was with an organization that recognized what I was putting on the table. And so they just doubled down on me, right. With opportunity and investment and education and things like that. And just dumped it in me. Right. And so in what way at year four apprentice and it ends at year five, when it ends, what's, what happens when you're done with that? You're becoming a you're journeyman? journeyman. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah, let's rewind back now. Cause so, you could be a journeyman forever, forever. Right? And then it's after that, it's a, ma a master. Is that what it's after? Yeah. That? You get your master's electricians and all that, but, but is that you, what's could still be, you could still be a journeyman, right? That's not going to totally get that. Yeah. I mean, what are it, you now? It, master journeyman? electrician. You are. Yeah. I mean, I still have my stuff and, um, I've got, I actually, I never did any state licensing. I never had to, we had some guys that kind of took care of all that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, when you graduate, you go, you go through that. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just just a journeyman, right? And then, what's that celebration like when you're done? Oh, when, it's a huge party. Is yeah, it? No. no, but is there like a, a crossing the chasm type there's of a, moment? There's a there's a there's a graduation. Well, with people are going to celebrate that. There's milestone. acknowledgement. Five years yeah. of shit. You better be celebrating that. It's, book it's a big it's a big deal. But then the big thing is is like you can go through and just depending, you know, the standard um, trajectory would have been like. And, and I had people who I graduated with, right? Rosadin was, hey, we're going to make you a foreman. Like, literally. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, right? I was like, okay. All right. So, right into foreman. And, like, the people that I went through my apprenticeship with, they're like, you're crazy, right? You're a suck ass. You're, you're all these things, right? You're not a union guy. You don't know enough to be a foreman. And I was like, I mean, they want to throw more money at me and some responsibility, and they're going to teach me how to do that? Like, I'll, I'll do it, right? So that was what the next step was, huh? Like, really quick. And when you become a foreman, what are you in charge of then? You're, uh, you're in charge of your crew, right? Okay, and, but how many are on yeah, that Yeah, I mean, at that time, we probably ran. We Since then, we pared it down so we can have make sure that those foremen are more engaged with their team and not so diluted. But back then, it might have been like eight or ten people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're still playing and doing and coaching. But I'm, I'm sitting here talking with people who are, you know, their kids are older than me, right? You know, sometimes, and you're dealing with people who are traveling and all these other things, right? And and uh, so it's it's just a different dynamic. You have to learn how to navigate that. And I mean, my biggest success was I was, you know, I was talking to somebody. I was like, man, I I mean, I'm glad they made me a form, but I'm not ready for this. And they're like, 
just be humble and don't try to bullshit somebody who has 30 years in the trade and you're not even you're you're 24 right you know 25 or whatever it was at the time right he goes just don't bullshit anybody you're there and just just ask questions and learn and they'll teach you what you don't know because you haven't been you've been exposed to maybe three percent of the total industry and what you're going to see at that point in your career that same advice could apply to a ceo right like (laughs) your first time foreman first time of anything yeah be humble listen and learn from those others. Yeah, lock arms with people who kind of yeah. just supplement some of your weak spots, right? At the oh, end yeah, of the day, when you right? get there, you don't have it all yeah. figured out. Like a CEO may need to just go buddy up. His best friend was probably his, his CFO, brand new CEO, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, at least if you're smart, that's the person. But So, like, I had my old master chief, or he was my chief at the time, but, like, there's a, the military runs with, a like, a white-collar, blue-collar officer enlisted type of thing. Yeah. And um, those senior NCOs, right, they have... They control the crew, which is all, you know, 85% enlisted, but they have such a symbiotic relationship with the person mm-hmm. that's uh, in charge, so to speak. So I, I would imagine there has to be a lot of respect between the team that you have that has 20, 30 years of field experience and a lot more knowledge than you in some cases, but maybe because you're the foreman, they kind of work for you. And there has to be a healthy dynamic that it's not always easy, right? I mean, it's going to be challenging and people are going to. I've had pe- people refuse to work with me. I've had, I've had all. You're looking you, at one. You've seen it all. You're looking at one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's that list? <laughs> yeah. uh, I get the petition going. Yeah. <laughs> but like when you do that, would, were you getting, were you having an active mentor or was it just immersion? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, there's always some, like the boss that I would report up to. Like you had, you were in that spot because of somebody above you believed in you. And so, so you, so you had, yeah. you had an av. You're and not on an make sure island. You're successful, right? Yeah. You're not on an island. That makes sense. But, um, but I, you know, the key is, is like, don't wait until you're ready. If you wait until you're ready, it's going to be too late. Like that door is always cracked. In did life. you volunteer for that, or did they push you into that? And they're like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, someone threw. Yeah, you at somebody, it? somebody threw it out, and I was like, yeah, sure. And they're like, right or die. You sh- are you sure? And they're like, yeah, let's go. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Right. And I had friends in, in, in my same, you know, apprenticeship class and they got offered the same thing. They're like, absolutely not. Like I need to go do this, this, this. Hmm. So it's just a different way of thinking, but I got you, you know, how long were you uh, forming for? Oh, I don't know. A handful of years, probably. You but know? what happens after that? Like, and then you could be a GF and stuff and, and, and go slow do that. Down, Actually, dude. Hey, listen, it might've been, real. yeah, it was what? really quick. So actually. you went foreman to general foreman. Yeah. Well, time. someone and that was, said that you were a suck ass. How many people were accusing you of that? Uh, probably. Let's see. <laughs> Let me get my list. About <laughs> yeah. nine hundred thousand. It seems yeah. like that's fast, right? So you became a GF pretty fast. Well, it, it was an interesting. It was an interesting dynamic, right? Is this the so Vegas program. This no, this is before that. So this was in South San Francisco, on a Genentech job that was probably one of the larger jobs that we had in the company's portfolio at that time. I think we had Staples Center around that. There were some big jobs, but this was one of them, right? And Rosenden was a smaller organization way back when. And the I got transferred over to that job and was helping run a crew, you know, and, and as a foreman. And literally, there's a guy by the name of Todd Devlin. He's still around right now. He's a he's an area superintendent for us in the in the in the Bay Area. And Good guy, super smart, and very boisterous gentleman, right? 
And so you knew he was there. And I hear it's like, ah, like he just got like this growl about him, right? And tenacity, but super smart. And he had to go. And we've probably spent maybe a matter of like four or five months together, maybe if that. I forget the timing of all that. But um, he he told me one day, he goes, hey, I got to go do this other job. Um, I need you to take over the field GF spot. So there was like a guy who's in the trailer and then there's a guy who's running all the field. I was like, huh? He goes, come on, you got it. He goes, walk with me. And he goes and brings the general contractor superintendent. He goes, this is your guy. And the guy's like, cool. I've seen him out there. And I was like, guys, I, I'm not there. I'm not ready for this at all. Like, and we probably had, you know, maybe 85 guys out there or something, you know, it was decent size daunting for me personally and I'm sitting there walking and this wasn't like it was a you know an office job where it's just a, uh, this was like industrial lab environment San Francisco you said yeah in Genentech South San Francisco right and and we go through this thing and I'm just sitting there and I stop them both and I was like guys I'm I'm not the guy like there's got to be like take Tom Varney he's the guy who has more years in my than than I've been alive in the trade right? Probably even double, right? Because he was this crotchety old fucker, right? But he was super smart. And I respected the hell out of him. And I just kind of went through a list. And they're like, No, it's you. Like, let's let's you're gonna fast track this. And I said, Guys, there's shit here that I haven't even seen. They're like, don't bullshit anybody, ask questions and just yeah. get back to and just, just advice, just go find the answers, right? And and don't be don't don't bullshit your way through it. And he goes and listen, this was the client, so our general contractor. He goes, I got your back. Like, I won't. He goes, I'll come. Oh, the, I'll come this, to, yeah, the superintendent the, for the GC. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I got your back, right? And, uh, you know, and at that time, you know, terrible. I'm terrible, I think, in general, like public speaking. Like, I, I just agree. don't like any of that stuff, right? Yeah, you can, like, talk to talk a cat out of a tree, right? <laughs> Shut up. I get it. But I don't have that skill set. And. And literally, so now you're holding like these meetings and you're stuttering and my buddies are in that they're like making fun of you. Like you said, and 50 times and you're, you know, it's just it's something like I would always get shit on. Right. All the time. But it was just it was uncomfortable every day. Right. But I just went and tried to like make just make a difference every day. Right. And it's just like it's kind of like how do you eat enough elephant? Right. You know, one bite, one bite at a time. time. Right. And you just just keep on making forward progress. How long were you uncomfortable? I'm uncomfortable now. You in should my role. be actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that that's probably is the ankle bracelet thing on too tight? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's cutting the circulation off to my left foot. But from that point, you go from you know foreman to GF to what? Because you end up coming into the office. At some yeah, point. well, I was just doing GF stuff, and then I started. Were you? Were you ambit? You just wanted to, you said that you wanted to be this other guy's job. So you wanted to be. Oh, uh, yeah, but I'm okay. still layers down from this other guy's job. Right? So, so, but you were, you were intentionally and deliberately trying to, it sounds like in spite of yourself, you were failing forward or they're putting you in these positions to go forward. And, uh, but were you trying to homogenize? Like, were you checking a box and be like, by this time, I should. No, I, I, I didn't have any of that, like, did you ever out. feel did you ever feel like you weren't able to grow fast enough in the trades? No. 
No, because the opportunity's there, and it it what it became opportunity for what though to grow for more growth, is a subject matter for but, growth. I mean, but it, you could grow left and right. There's too, just right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if you want just to stay in the trades and and not go pivot left or right into one of these other tentacles of the of the industry, just in the oh, trades, you mean, it's okay, just like yeah, that that type that of sense. growth. Like I never felt stagnant at all, right and it just started showing like it was very apparent that there was only very there was very simple skill sets that it required in order for you to accelerate through the growth through through the through I the was tricks. so surprised to figure out you never built a data center though that was crazy to me so <laughs> but at some point that's what you're talking about specializing so someone said hey I don't want to build you know airports anymore or maybe that's all I want to build is airports I'm your airport guy I'll travel yeah or so I don't know because you kind of we tend to end up um, gravitating towards things that people are going to give us the opportunity to go tackle, and mm -hmm. if if we dis if it's dis discovered that we do that well, then we'll tend to get more of that. And in spite of ourselves, we we tend to specialize, right? Yeah, that's the thing that you're always trying to battle is to make sure that they're broad and diverse and uh, versatile, right? So yeah. that trade is very versatile. It could work in airports and hospitals and everything, right? Homes, yeah. but the data center is kind of a specialty thing. It is. I mean. Granted, I guess one of the things that actually got me into the trade, into the electrical trade, is you're sitting here talking to, you know, at the time I was in the Carpenters Union. You're sitting here talking about that. I just wanted to touch on this. I know we're going way back now. but No, we can't do that. Sorry. The, the, carpenters, the carpenters said, he goes, listen, we're, in the, we're on this job this window of time, right? The job is going for this long. Oh, uh, yeah. And the thing <laughs> about the electricians is, you're on. You're one of the very first people on the job. You're the last person to leave, and then you're probably even on the operational. Oh yeah. You know the, the sustaining type work that goes through there. Somebody is. It may not be, but there is an electrician there, right? At, Normally, you know, they hire from the electrical contractor. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like you have this. You have threefold the yeah. opportunity to go do work on just one job rather sure. than some of these other trades, right? Um, so that was one of the things that like, when I was thinking about making this change, I was, I was like, yeah, I mean, so I could be out here instead of just being out here for five months, I could be out here for a, a year. year and a half. Yeah. Like, seriously, let's go do it. Like to me, that was more opportunity. Right. But so, so what, in that time, <clears throat> up until that time, just to pause in that window, yeah. what was the greatest thing that you learned in that window and how long of a window is that like 10 years, 12 years? I mean, it seems like it probably took you a bit to get to that. Maybe it was way faster than that. It was but, way faster than that. Okay, so in that time, what was like the greatest joy of what you were learning? Were you feeling like fulfilled with I everything was, you were doing? I was, I was learning how to manage others, lead, and learn all at the same time. Were you doing Think that by that. second? Like I'm a, I'm a great victim of secondhand learning. Does that make sense? So like in the military, depending on what you do, you know, they send you to certain training, some they don't, right? So when I say secondhand, I mean, Let's say I was enlisted. I showed up to the military. Well, every officer is going through tons of leadership training. Yeah. Senior NCOs do it too. Yeah. But there's no point. There's no point in taking the the FNGs and training them how to be leaders until they learn how to be followers first, right? Yeah. But did you have intentional training for leadership, or was there I mean, people we had that you like, emulated? Yeah, we, we it was a little bit of both. I mean, within our organization, you know, there's development. There is series that we have just kind of focused on that role and above in within the organization because it's very skilled. It's a it's a very um, precise skill set that it requires in order to be successful. Like there is a roadmap for that. And so they kind of focus on a handful of things that are like 
the the highest impact things from so a what's form. number one oh it's to me it's um it's knowing your job and being able to have that vision of where the job is going to be so that you're always ahead of it.